Good morning, Liberty Harrisburg, full house. Good to be with you today. Um, I want to thank you for three things. First, uh, you guys are generous towards church planning. How, how cool is this? We figured out we met eight years ago, face-to-face, Mother's Day weekend. We were talking about that this morning. And uh, Matt and Shay flew out to Philly. We're going to go to a, the coolest place in the universe. It's called Harrisburg. <laughs> and introduced them to a room full of people praying for a new church to be planted. And now, uh, by God's grace, you, uh, you're really generous to church plants. You've been really generous to the network. You've been generous to Liberty Northeast and Liberty Montco, which were both launched just in the past six months. And both of those churches, people have met Jesus through the ministry of those churches. And you guys are a part of that. Uh, Evan Curry, who will preach here while Matt's on sabbatical, he got to baptize someone who came to faith at his church and seven other people. And you guys are a part of that. So thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for doing that. Also, let's talk about this. As you know, Casey and Katie Horvath hang out with you with their boys, and you're going to be the mother church, Lord willing, of a new church in Lebanon. Uh, Yeah, clap for that. I like your style. Keep it up. Clap for stuff. We're glad. Yeah, we're like, yeah, that's good. That's a win. We love that. And it was a joy to be with Casey and Katie in Lebanon, in their town, and just since uh, Christine and I got to hang out with them yesterday, and just since and experience their love for their place and the people of their place and their prayers and hopes, which they've shared with you and which you're, you're praying for and with them. So thank you for how you're walking with them. Thank you for your love of church planning. So thank you. Praise God. I praise God for that. I'm, I'm also, I'm really stoked and grateful that your church has this plan to give the Luloyans a sabbatical. And I, I just want to give you a little context here. Uh, this has been a great blessing to our network. It's a gospel thing, right? It's part of, it's a command of God to rest. And for freed slaves, this is a gift of grace. How much does God love us? Well, God's built it into creation to have one day and seven rest. And it's in in Jesus we do that as well. We remember that our worth doesn't come from our output. You're worth more than your output. That's not your worth. You know, our identity is, is children of God. God loves us. He rests. He calls us to rest. And um, it's a gift of rest. Pastors work six days a week. And so, you know, it's a helpful thing that I like to mention just because, wow, that comp time adds up after seven years. It can be a helpful way to think of it. And uh, another helpful stat, I'm full of stats today. I'm the stat guy. Uh, At the end of 2019, by God's grace, there will be six Liberty pastors will have taken a sabbatical in the past two years. So we've seen it be really fruitful, and uh, God met me and us in a deep way in our sabbatical, which I'm going to tell you about in a second, and it's just been a blessing, you know, to, to study, seek renewal, pray through the next season of life and ministry. It's been a deep blessing, so, um, and I'm just grateful because I really love you so much. Um, I'm just grateful to Matt as a friend and a brother and a partner 
in this crazy quest of planting churches to spread the freedom of Jesus. And uh, yeah, we love you guys. This is a, so I'm stoked for them. Stoked this is all worked out. And your elders and leaders have a great plan. Uh, the rest of the body tends to grow when one part rests. And so that, that tends to be what's ha what happens. So be excited and pray for that. And lastly, uh, some of you know that I had a sabbatical. I, I said to my elders, I asked for a little bit extra time praying through this next season of liberty, and they gave me more than that. And God blessed us, and we had a great time. We celebrated 25 years of marriage by God's grace, which was a win uh, this past summer. And then we came back, and uh, Christine got a, a diagnosis of breast cancer. And um, I want to report on two things. One, it was a okay, you've heard that all the Liberty Churches seek to live, speak, and serve the very presence of Jesus in their place, right? And through uh, cards and presents and prayers and tears with us and <laughs> being with us and pleading with us, which you guys were a part of, uh, you sent a monster gift basket. I just remember the size of it. Um, we really did experience the love of God in that. And um, through prayers and hugs, it was, it's, it's just really true that the Holy Spirit is in us and in our care and love for one another, we do um, bring Jesus to each other. And so this surprise suffering become a, became a profound experience of grace for us. And... Um, Christine just received her six-month scans, and she's clear by God's grace. So praise God for that. So, yeah, so really, really grateful. Um, really grateful. Uh, thank you for your prayers for us and your love for us. And uh, it's, a special, it's a special joy to be with you and uh, to preach the gospel to you today. So allow me to pray for us. Let's give thanks for these things and ask God to be with us as we turn to his word. Lord Jesus, we thank you that this is true. You dwell in your people, and we experience the grace and presence of Jesus uh, in our love for each other uh, through you. And we pray that would increase. We thank you that you draw us into what you're doing in the world. Uh, I do pray that you would bless Liberty Harrisburg's ministry and starting other churches. We pray for Liberty Lebanon and Casey and Katie, we pray for new churches to be birthed. Uh, give them a vision for this area of Pennsylvania. Answer their prayers. Thank you for their faithfulness, for their generosity to other churches. We praise you. Your word says that heaven rejoices when someone turns to God, when a sinner repents and finds grace and mercy in Jesus. Heaven rejoices. So we rejoice that people have met Jesus at Liberty Montco, Liberty Northeast, and we pray that would happen again and again here. Lord, work in and through us and teach us in your word, we ask. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I'm going to invite you to turn to Ephesians 6. It's page 979 in the Bibles that are underneath the chair in front of you. By the way, you're free to take one of those Bibles. Ephesians 6, page 979. And I'm going to read this, starting at verse 10. Listen to God's word. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is God's word. Uh, what would you say to someone who's desperately sick? They're sick. They're going to remain sick. And they're walking around with the meds in their hands, but they just won't take them. They haven't got to it. They forget. They have the medicine on their person, but they won't take it. What would you say to a group of soldiers? That are tr they're in this vicious firefight, and they could call for reinforcements. They could call for air cover. They could call for more ammo and all the stuff they need for this fight. They just don't do that fight alone let's let's do an ancient image what would you say to a soldier he's going to find an ancient battle instead of putting on his uh his armor and taking his weapons and his special helmet and his shield and his sword he just wears his normal stuff and goes out unprotected what would you say to an orphan who's been adopted who actually has the name of the father and the inheritance forever of the Father, and could be in the house enjoying the Father's love, but instead lives fearful and alone on the street, scrounging for scraps. What all those examples have in common? In all those examples, people are living outside of help, rescue, love, strength, and protection they could have. They could have it. They just haven't tapped into it to receive it. They're all living unnecessarily outside help. And by the way, all those what those examples have in common, they all take their core idea from Scripture. This is what we're like when we don't pray. This is what we're like when we forget to pray, don't actually live with God as a community, as individuals, when we don't learn to turn to God for help in a daily way. And the core idea, uh, the big command in the beginning of this passage is it's about standing. 
Paul's like, I want you to stand. He actually repeats it three times and says another time, so you can withstand, so you can stand. So the image is, so you're not knocked flat, so you don't just drift off course, so you don't get knocked back. This is what you need to know to be strong and stand. So we're going to talk this morning, just going through this passage, about the desperation of prayer. It's like the desperation of the battle. The desperation of prayer, the confidence of prayer, the rhythm of prayer, and the encouragement in prayer. The desperation of prayer, the confidence of prayer, the rhythm, what's it look like, and the encouragement of prayer. First, the desperation of prayer. Why is there desperation? Well, there's a battle, and this is the spiritual warfare stuff. Look at the beginning of the passage again. He says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, the Bible's view of life in the world, it, there's more than bad policies and human stupidity behind the pain of the world. The world's a painful place. It's a really sad place. Uh, there's great beauty in this world, but also deep brokenness. And there's more than just we need better government policies, and there's more than just human blindness and human folly and human sin. There's actually supernatural evil behind rape as a weapon, behind a sin that gets passed down family for family, behind uh, addiction that gets passed on and just leaves carnage in its wake. There's more than just human sin. Now, um, some of you probably, I mean, I, I get it. Some of you might even like roll your eyes. Like, okay, the devil. This doesn't, it's never in scriptures as a way of saying, no one can say the devil made me do it. I get off the hook and get the blame the devil and somehow get off the hook. But there is this understanding that there's more to the pain of this world than just human folly. Uh, there's this professor, of, he led the humanities department at Columbia for a while, um, really smart guy named Andrew Del Banco. He wrote a book about how less Americans believe in the devil. The name of the book is called The Death of Satan, How Americans Have Lost the Sense of Evil. And he's a secular person. He's not a, not a Christian. Um, but he's noted that still about the same number of Americans believe in God. Less people believe in the devil. But here's the funny thing. This is uh, a quote from the book. A gulf has opened up in our culture between the visibility of evil and the intellectual resources available for coping with it. Because of social media and if you've got a phone on you, you can be reminded all the time of really sad evil things that are happening all around the world in our country. And yet, without an understanding of supernatural evil, we don't even know how to talk about radical evil. And he talks about his own struggle. We, we've lost the understanding of radical evil. I would say one of the interesting places this comes out, though, that we in a deep place, do understand that there's evil in the world. And if we'll poop, you know, some of us here 
might be saying, you might be saying, look, how is this idea helpful? And yet, um, why do horror movies resonate? Why have there always been horror movies? And there always will be. There's not many movies where human beings turn into plants and live forever a benevolent life with being plants. Let's think about something else we couldn't relate to. But somehow, movies where there's supernatural evil that wants to degrade, devour, kill, destroy, infect, somehow, that's always resonated. We can get into it, we can watch it, we can, that story can grip you. Because it's real. And so uh, the Bible doesn't want us to be fascinated by evil, but more captured by a vision of Christ, but it's just blunt, there is evil. And part of, part of learning to pray, no one's just like, you know what would be awesome if I just learned this nice thing called prayer. That's a rare door to enter a life of prayer. The biggest entrance on the life of prayer is life is hard and I need help. Life is broken, and I need to learn to depend on God and get a strength. That's why people learn to pray. So that's the desperation of prayer. We're desperate, so we need to learn to pray. And what does the scripture tell us to do? Well, stand and armor up. He says, you know what? We need to stand. You need to stand in Christ, with Christ, for Christ. So armor up. And the confidence of prayer is everything that Jesus has done for us. And he... he for ancient people, he gives this picture of armor. It's an extended uh, picture that where people saw soldiers and knew about their different, you know, their different armor. So he mentions the different parts of the armor and sort of says, this is everything you have in Jesus. All the different aspects of the armor are blessings we have in Jesus. Armor up to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And you can think of different verses and promises. The belt of truth, Jesus is the one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. The righteousness, it's the record of Jesus that you wear. So if this is how the gospel works. It's not because you tried hard, did more, earned your way into this, but God has put the record of Jesus and in grace, without us deserving it, just laid us on it. That's what covers us. That's how God sees us. You wear that. If you're a Christian, you wear that. That's yours. Even if you're trying to figure it out, you've been a Christian like five minutes. That's yours. You have the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus' record is given to you. Your sin went to him. His record went to you. And you're at peace with God. Hey, as shoes put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, here's what makes you ready to run and enter the day. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. How do we have peace with God? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. And this is the book where, to an, uh, a church, the apostle says, these are, he opens the book by saying, these are all the blessings that you have in Jesus. And guess what? If you're a Christian, if you're connected with God through Jesus, you have all of them. 
You have all of them. And so the confidence in our prayer life, look, to bring up the topic of prayer is to make Christians feel guilty. Right? Um, you start making Eeyore-like comments to yourselves. Eeyore, Winnie the Pooh, I'm bad at prayer. I forgot. Not that good at this. Our confidence in prayer doesn't come from us being good at prayer. It doesn't come from us being good at anything. Our confidence in prayer comes from our, our connection to Jesus and our standing in him. Uh, you know what some good news is? You're not justified by your prayer life. Neither am I. We're justified by Jesus. We're made right with God. Why do we have peace with God? Through what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection and his living to intercede for us. It's everything that Jesus did. That's our confidence in prayer. Uh, that's our hope when we forget to pray and we realize we're really bad at this. We need to be reminded of this. Uh, we're justified not by our prayer life, but by Jesus' life. And then, that's so encouraging, then you can begin to understand faith. And he gives the image, the shield of faith, with which we can extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, the thoughts that come. Hey, you're alone. How many of you woke up this week? Rhetorical question, you don't have to answer. How many woke up this week? I just feel alone. I feel alone in this world. You can remember Jesus' promise. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. John 14, that's real, that's ours. How many of you are overwhelmed by what there is to do and what you haven't done and what you can't handle and can't figure out and you need to remember the first Peter 5 passage? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast it, throw it, throw it on him. That's what casting is, throw it on him. God, I can't handle it. I'm just naming, I'm giving to you the things I can't carry, would you help me? It's a promise. This is one of your rhythms of grace, right? Prayer and God's promises, prayer and God's word. We get to together grab a hold of these promises and to claim them in prayer. And somehow, in the life of prayer, um, we tell God that we love him and we allow him to whisper that into our hearts. What would you tell me if I said, well, my wife knows that I love her, been together 25 years. I don't really need to tell her anymore. She gets it. <laughs> Intervention time. <laughs> bad idea. Hey, bad idea. Tell her. You're saying an important reality together. I love you. And receiving that back and forth. You love me. We actually, in a life with God, we rehearse these precious realities. We take his promises and we pray them into our hearts. And they, they can extinguish those darts that can come to us. And this is part of the rhythm of prayer. Okay, the rhythm of prayer is, is, he says the word all four times. Look at verse 18, 19. 
praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He's basically like, yeah, pray all the time with all different kinds of prayer. That's what all prayer and supplication means, all the different kinds. Pray with all perseverance. Don't quit. And for uh, pray for all the Christians God's put in your life. And pray for your world and your region. Uh, the kinds of prayer... Here's a helpful summary of the different kinds of prayer. Uh, the word ACTS, A-C-T-S, uses an acronym. Well, there's adoration, just telling God we love him and adoring him for who he is. There's confession, which we did. God, I, I did these things. I'm waking up cold today. Confession, it's an important kind of prayer. Thanksgiving, God, you did that. We prayed and you, you provided. Lord, I thank you for this meal. I thank you for this time with these friends. I thank you for what you've done in and through Liberty Church and how you're at work. It'd be wrong of me not to like thank God for the blessing to me being here today. And supplication, just all the different kinds of requests. Praying for people that God's put in your life. And we actually need to do, we need to, as a community together and as people, have all those different kinds I've been asking different leaders to sort of look at, you know, what kind of prayer do you lead, lean to? Some people, it's like all Thanksgiving, but very little, hey, ask God to do stuff. He's told us to do that. Some people, it's like, well, I just stress out when I pray and think about all that's wrong with the world. Ask God to do stuff. And you know what? You need to press pause and give thanks and learn to have a heart and learn to look for evidences of ways God is answering ways God is showing up. Uh, we need all those different kinds of prayer. It could be a helpful exercise to, like, you know, which of the kinds of prayer do I drift to? Which are the hardest for me? Which are the ones I tend to forget? But the rhythm of prayer is to seek to grow in all those things and in all those ways and just don't give up. And here's the encouragement, just don't give up. He says with all perseverance. And he's saying this to a group of people who need to learn to pray better. I mean, it's a group of people, he's like, some of you, you ought to get jobs, don't steal anymore, don't curse each other out. This is chapter four. Uh, he's giving basic instruction, just don't give up, seek to grow in all these things. And you know what the encouragement of prayer is? Uh, we pray with and for each other. Look at the end, what's going on here? Verse 19, so here he is, the apostle, he, could, he doesn't say, so here's how I'm going to pray for you, and just ends there. He, a lot of times, says, here's how I'm going to pray for you. And he's done that several times already in this book. I mean, in this very specific letter. He said, this is what I'm praying for you. You know how he ends? This is how you can pray for me. Would you pray for me to be bold, like I ought to be? Would you pray that words would be given me, that when I speak the gospel, I would be bold as I ought, that I would declare it boldly as I ought to speak? Why is he doing that? Well, you know anything about his life? He was really hurt physically bad many times in fulfilling his mission. His job was to get beat up sometimes in planting churches. He was flogged, beaten. I mean, there's a whole list. So what would that cause you to do? I mean, I flinch up in the car when I'm a passenger because I've been in car wrecks. He's like, I tense up, and he's saying, 
really vulnerably, would you pray that I'd be bold as I ought? You just think through a story. It's very understandable. And he sends a guy to give a prayer report. He's like, so that you may know how I am. So you may know everything. And so you may know what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother, he's coming to you guys. He's going to tell you everything. And we ought to own answers to prayer. Um, the pressure of secularism and the way of looking at life, it just is what it is. And this, the world is a, almost like a big machine. And things just happen. And do our prayers really matter? That is just in our atmosphere, in the West, all over the place. And we actually need to lean into seeing things that happen as answers to prayer. Like when you pray for the babies and they stay, um, they're not born for three weeks and they come out three times as, weighing three times as much as you thought they were. You, got, you need to own it. Uh, why did I, I'm trying to do this and saying, when I say like, hey, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for praying for us. I got a text last night from one of the Liberty pastors and his elders, and they included me on it. The guy's like, would you pray for me tomorrow? I know these families that are friends are coming to the church for the, full, for the first time. And you know what I feel like tonight? Weak. I just feel oppressed. The guy's just like, just, there's no joy in the gospel. There's no power. I'm kind of, I'm afraid about tomorrow. Instead of experiencing God's peace and power, would you pray for me? And the text thread was like praying, praying, praying. And uh, the different leaders saying, yes, I'm going to pray that for you. What did I text him? I text him, I'm praying, and I sent him this passage. Guess what I'm preaching on tomorrow? And it was so wise and good that you shared that. So look at what's modeled here, and let's do that. Is this about a personal prayer life or prayer with others? It's both. And I want to, in all your Bible studies, in your small groups, in your gatherings, uh, we need to, we need to, somewhere, this needs to appear in your life where you pray with and for others and you have them pray for you. That just needs to be in your world somehow for you to be, to grow as a Christian. And if you don't ask for prayer, let me tell you what you, you don't understand. If you're a person, maybe you consider yourself a Christian, and you just don't ask for prayer for yourself. Um, there could be many things you don't understand. Maybe you don't understand your battle, or maybe you think you're awesome, and you don't need... You're actually better than the Apostle Paul. And you don't need... I'm glad you giggled a little bit. You're giggling at yourself, all right? And I'm at myself when I'm tempted to be like that. We're saying that we kind of got it together more than him. And maybe it's pride that can get in there. And just, I'd rather not appear weak. <laughs> kind of bent to choose that route. Or there's just something about the gospel that we don't understand. There's something about Jesus we don't get. What did Jesus say in the garden with his friends? The night in the garden is where he's hanging out before he's going to go to the cross. He asked his friends to pray with him and for him. So there's something, that the encouragement of prayer is getting people to pray with you and for you, and when you can't, 
And you know what the, the ultimate encouragement of prayer is? You know what's awesome? When we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit himself prays for us. In Romans 8, Paul says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We have God's prayers for us and in us. Be encouraged. We pray with and for each other to encourage each other. Liberty Harrisburg, I want to call you in light of the power of God and the grace of God to pray and be in a life of prayer in order to stand firm. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.